Welcome to The Conversation. This is episode 159. I'm so excited. It's just you and me. So listen, enjoy, and let the magic begin. You're listening to Channel Radio. Channel Radio. It's your 24-hour station. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Conversation. How are you, my darling? My name is Sarah Ann Lucas. All my friends and family call me Bird, and I would love you to do the same. So here on The Conversation, we take you to the brutal points of your pain, the emotion that's inside. We have honest and true conversations. And today, of course, it's no different. We have a, uh, I want to call you a resident. Oh, okay. I think we should call you a resident guest, Nick Danes. Let's go for that. Let's do that. So we've got Nick on. Um, Nick Danes has been with us before. He is a mortgage advisor. Um, Well, no, he's more than just a mortgage advisor. Oh, thank you. Is that that's awful? Because yeah. any mortgage advisor is going to be going. What do you mean, just? Yeah. Let me tell you, who Nick Danes it's is never just exactly. Advisor. Nick now heads up Prospect Tree Mortgage Business Development and Marketing Department in Prospect Tree Mortgages and our mortgage brokers in Kent. And they currently support several estate agents, accountants, and IFA firms in the south east of England, in the UK and beyond. So last week we had Rebecca Robertson in IFA who was looking at your wealth management. Today, Nick and I are going to talk openly and honestly in a 10-part series, and this is part two, of how, what's the next stage for you to have gathered your information? What do we do now? We found a property um, and, and then what is the stage? So you may have a mortgage in principle, you may not. And then what happens when you've been given this general advice of, or you can go and borrow this amount, you come back with a property and then guess what? They say no. So we're going to look at that. We're going to manage, talk about how we manage emotions around that. And then we're going to really look at um, real life stories and they're not just stories of oh this could have happened but real life things that are happening in uh nick's world at the minute so nick says that i want you to hear this because this is really important because we hear about oh what's your mission statement but that this is really what nick feels is that we aim to find the best mortgages and offer the finest advice to clients as part of a friendly knowledgeable and personal service which extends from the first meeting to the day they walk through the front door i think that's vital we often we were talking about it now that i was saying look i've got some I've got some people who I know have got this, this, this. And you'll go, it changes so quickly. So be it a mortgage, an income protection or life cover, or our recommendations are tailored around the client's specific needs and their circumstances. And those circumstances can change very quickly and your specific needs can change really quickly. So we're going to address all of that. But before we do have today's conversation with Nick Danes, let's just catch up with last week's guest, which was Rebecca Robertson IFA. I always love saying that because everything is Rebecca Robertson IFA. You've met her before. In fact, she's doing what Nick's doing with me, which is really looking at this finance, this money management, this money wealth, getting you into property, getting you into investment. I'll tell you why, because it is 
is empowerment. Once I have that in my hands, that gives me confidence. It makes me feel that I can make decisions that potentially I didn't see I had before. So last week, uh, we were on part two of Women's Wealth or Wealth Management of a 10-part series, an introduction to building or adapting your business into a subscription or a membership model. Oh my goodness. The membership model is everywhere. You don't know it. You think to yourself, is it? Is it new? I tell you, I've just ordered some supplements and they use this model. They use a subscription-based model. So I challenge you this. I want you to observe the uprise in this business trend, the use of a membership or otherwise known as a subscription-based payment. So you'll get it. I've, I use skincare they use it as a subscription-based model. I use supplement companies. They use it as a subscription-based model. My other half, Stephen, hates paying that way. I don't care. I know that it's part of this new uprise. And it's, you know what? You might look at it and think, oh, they've captured my money. I look at it. It's like, oh, my God, that's made life so much easier for me. I know it's going to turn up then. I know it's going to come then. And that's when I pay for it. And also my um, dog food do a subscription. There's so many ways that I live my life paying through a subscription. So if you missed the live show last week and they listen again on Channel Radio's website, then you can listen to Rebecca Robertson IFA on Burden of Bikes podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes or Stitcher or Overcast or iHeartRadio or Spotify. And you can go on to Burden of Bike, the conversation, or you can go onto my website. It's so easy. Just go onto my website, one click, there you go, burdenabike.co.uk. You then go into the radio show. There's two clicks. Oh, my goodness, you're there. So, get, say it with me. So, wherever you are, there I am. Here he is, without further ado. It's my true honour to share with you today a resident in the making, Nick Danes. How are you? Very good, thank you. You're not? I'm not. I'm recovering. <laughs> you're not well? I'm a little, I'm a little bit under the weather. Mm. I'm, I'm coming to the end of a, a February cold. Nice. The February version of my cold. Nice, nice. Well, I am pleased that you joined us. <laughs> so we got together <laughs> today. Oh, my pleasure. And last year, last year, last time, which was last month. Let's just recap. You took us a little bit into pain. Yeah, a bit, a bit. I think. Um... You made me gather some pay slips. Yes. That I may not have. Made you, made you look for things made that you, me look for things, you weren't yeah. sure if you, you had. Or... Built my awareness into how much money I don't have. <laughs> or make me realise that actually I've got more or I'm spending more here and I could save this more here. Yeah, we, we, we look to start with at the, the kind of um, what a lot of people will bury their heads in the sand about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the, the basis of, of financing a, a property purchase um, is around income and expenditures and what that looks like as an overall uh, scene yep. for a lender and how much money they're going to lend on that basis. Um, so part of that was gathering documentation to see how much income there is, what the expenditures are for committed expenditures, if there's higher purchase, credit card balances, loan maintenance. maintenance. Who knew? I had no idea that maintenance came into it. Yeah, no, all that, yeah. all that kind of stuff, and the, you know, the evidence of uh, receipt of that maintenance, mm. if you, if it's going to be included in income, for example, um, uh, which it can be with the right, correct evidence in the background, 
but a lot of times now amicable uh, separations and things mean that that the uh, the lender's evidence that they require sometimes doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were building people's awareness of what they needed to bring to you, one, to make your job easier, but also to make it not, I don't even think easier, just to make it more realistic in their timeline. Yeah, I mean, we we will aim to be able to give the most accurate advice to people as we possibly can. And the only way to to do that is by having all of the uh, elements available to us to work from. It's by me providing you with that relevant information. I mean... I can tell you I've been to appointments before where people literally have no idea. Mm. You know, they say, oh, no, I have got uh, a loan for X, Y, and Z. I think it's about £300 a month. We go, okay, well, you know, it's important that we know exactly what it is. Um, Most of the time now we we will ask for a a credit report at the beginning so we can actually cross-reference what people tell us with with accurate information. Um, It's not... um, uncommon for people to forget about credit commitments they've got or the amounts that they owe on certain things at all that's Mm. very regular um so a credit report really helps us piece that together and sometimes um the credit report um can actually highlight things that they they didn't know existed uh could still be on another um address as uh as part of a joint account account. this kind of stuff yeah so yeah. it's not always that that the uh, that the client may know everything. So a credit report really can highlight things. Uh, certainly, recently I've seen a couple of occasions where there's been um, uh, some a missed payment or, or account default with a telecoms company at a previous address, and the client just had no idea that that had happened. Mm. Uh, but there's a there's a mark on the on the credit report which lenders are going to be able to see, and that that will have an impact on their ability to to get a mortgage. Can I ask you this? Is there a time uh, bracket that so if it's over five years, say for example, do the lenders take that into consideration, or do they just take any mispayment? Well, there's there's a hierarchy, I would say, of of lenders with regards to um, the type of business that they're after. So. You know, you you can walk into banks or building societies on the high street in Nationwide, Santander, you know, that that kind of NatWest. All of these guys are like what we'd say, the high street banks. Um, They're going to be far less lenient on this kind of stuff than other other banks. There are a lot of lenders in the marketplace talking, you know, 100 plus different places to go to get borrowing from. And all of those tend to carve their niches into certain areas of business that they're prepared to take on or certain risk levels they're prepared to take on. So there's often a lender for everyone, unless there's some, you know, they were made bankrupt a month ago, you know, some really, really, uh, you know, difficult circumstances. But if we're talking about missed payments six months ago, CCJs maybe nine months ago, three months ago even, missed secured uh, loan payments, this kind of stuff. There are lenders for for it, you know, taking on board all the other elements that that client has, affordability wise, the loan to value. So all of the different, uh, what we would call criteria for lenders, comes into play when you're looking at a, a complex situation like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and sometimes the most frustrating thing can be, oh, it fits criteria for this lender on this, that, and the other but then they're not meeting credit score, for example, that lender won't now do it. 
We need to look at another lender. So much can happen and so many circumstances are different, but they are sort of niches within the lending. Is it worth me getting my credit score um, available to me? So, uh, you yes. know, it is. Yes. I um, And I know there's lots of TV advertising around watching the, uh, you know, the numbers, what your credit score is in actual fact. But lenders, uh, they, and this, this might sound crazy, they don't all use the same they don't. credit referencing agencies. So yeah, so so what um, shows up on one credit referencing agency, again, I've seen this recently, that there's a there's a, a mark as such on experience, but Equifax shows nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if the lender's using one and not the other, you know, how how it's very difficult for us to see if that's going to... Do you know impede. that as a mortgage uh, company, do you know who what uh, credit company they're using or not? Yeah, that we, we can ask them. So if there's any lender and we think, oh, okay, um, let's just find out who they're going to use because it would make sense to try and gather the report yeah. from the agency that they're going to use for referencing if that's the lender that we're going to go yeah. for. Um, we uh, we use a, a, a referencing agency at the moment which produces three of them, the, the big three essentially in one report so we can cross-reference them ourselves as well, uh, which is quite handy. You um, should write something on that, you know, <laughs> yeah. shouldn't you? Because it's so interesting to me. I, I've been doing mine forever and a day because I've been property developer. Yeah. You know, I've been into property for years and years. Yeah. But um, I think I, I may even have already done so, but I will have to check. You've got to do that because that would be really interesting <laughs> to find out. Because um, half of them own the same one anyway. Ah, uh, it's it's um, it's one of those that it, it you can you can fall foul of it like right at the end essentially. So when you come to a a decision in principle or even sometimes that application they can rescore it and it might fail at that point oh um, right i'm going to take us straight into the subject we're going to talk about today because we're i don't want to take us off that because we could do a whole show just oh, on credit ta- yeah <laughs> okay so we've got in they've come to you they've given you the details because we've prepared them all now they know what to bring to you and you've gone great you can go away and look for a property for this amount in principle would that right. be fair? So we've got so we're saying we've got to the point where we've got the documents all stacks up. Yep. We found the correct lender we think's got the best rate, best mortgage for that client, um, assessing their needs and and that kind of stuff. Agreement principles on the table, and they're gonna take that out with them, go and do some viewings and go and go and see if they can find a property to offer on. Can I just ask, because I don't understand what a, a principal, so uh, what is that? How do they get that? Is so, it just an email? Is it? Uh, yeah, well, essentially uh, an agreement in principle is a, is one side of A4 that says uh, we, Santander, mm. in principle, are prepared to lend. Perfect. On the information yeah, you've given. on the information that you've provided. Perfect. And so when, when you do an agreement in principle, it's essentially a credit check um, some are soft, some are hard. Footprints on your credit report, yep. um, which can make a difference as well okay. to, the, to the to the quality of your report. Yeah, worth noting. And um, uh, yeah, and then you run that through. It does a credit, so so it will score it in the background. And this is one last point I'll make on credit reports: is that the the number on there when you see oh, eight hundred or nine hundred and fifty, the numbers uh, are not what the lenders will look at they score what's on the credit report to their own credit score. So the numbers don't necessarily mean that 
your 800 in their eyes it's a made up like a, a tree of, of of where you are sitting to kind of let people know to show you how you can improve to mm-hmm. get up to the to the highest number but there's no background which says oh you need to be at least 800 for Got this it. Got like it. they score it based on the actual information within it and their own internal scoring system so even though you could have a rather. superior credit score one would hope that if it's that i mean i'm i'm talking more yeah. if it's super good it, i think irrelevant. you're going to be fine yeah but there's there's some go, oh look i'm at 694 you know like, okay yeah. well it's it's not that's not an indicator actually of whether they're going to do it or not got it we have to go through their internal scoring process to see so we've we've done all that yeah and they've we've said, done here you go there's your principle. And I, I can i can send you a, a sheet of a4 that says and we all get excited because i can now it is go exciting. I can now go and look for a property, say two hundred thousand. Yep. In principle. Yep. I found the property. Oh, you've done well. Thank you. I come to you. Now you've got some great examples at the minute. Live examples. Live examples. Okay, so the property. So when you're looking at properties, you go. You, you know, most people go uh, viewing through estate agents to go and go and have a look, see what they think. And you go. So you found one you really like. You view it through an estate agent and you think, oh, yeah, this is, this is where I want to move to. This is what I want to buy. Um, now, properties are either freehold or leasehold. If we, there, there are other things that can happen, but if we just stick with those two, that's the normal In the UK. standard. standard. Yep, yeah, UK standard sort of types of property, freehold, leasehold. Flats would generally be leasehold yeah. with a freeholder or a freehold of the block, for example. Um all these are questions that you really need to know uh, about the property because it will definitely impact the mortgage lender's um, willingness to loan you the money to buy it if there's if there's things that are uh, not sufficient or adequate in terms of the lease on a property. So if it's a leasehold flat, for example. Um, and again, in the main, I'm speaking about the high streets, there's a certain level of... Uh, lease that will need to be remaining on the property for them to deem it mortgageable again there are other lenders that will do you know like a much lower lease plus term as the minimum that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but in the main um yeah you, you need a certain level of lease be that 60 70 years remaining for it to be mortgageable via one of the the, the main high street lenders um you, you know and these aren't often things that you'll think to ask or you'll know about at the beginning and they're not they're certainly not on estate agents particulars as such to do with the lease information i've had it before where i've spoken to estate agents when i'm trying to gather the lease information about a property that my client wants to buy and they don't know mm-hmm. they don't know how long it's remaining on the lease they don't know how much the ground rent is and they don't know how much the service charge is like that is a like that, that, that is, we have to know that information because the property is is what's acting as the security for the loan mm-hmm. that the mortgage is, and so the value of that property, to some extent, is because of these elements. So, and it's vital because what we don't want you to do is get to you think right. I'm going to exchange, and then there is no mortgage available for you to well, be able to do that if would, you're mortgaging the property. It would never get that far. I mean, no, for it a, wouldn't. It would never get that far. Okay. But the 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 point being that it's um. It can be incredibly frustrating, the process of, of buying a property, when uh, buyers 
are not abreast of the full information. So I know that the marketing within property sales is great. Everyone talks about, oh, you know, professional photography, um, you know, VR tours within a property, all this, that, and the other. Um, and you're attracting people. They're, they're trying to attract people in um, because the agent's job is to get the best price for their client, who's the person selling it. So and the also more people, paying them. Right, the client, the, the, yeah, the vendor <laughs> the will, will pay the estate agent. That's right. Yeah, so the buyer is not paying the estate agent's fee. But the buyer, in order to buy it so that the estate agent gets paid at all, needs the information on the property. Get it. So what we're trying to do here is take that element of overwhelmment, of emotion, of frustration, and say to people, learn as much as you can about the property that you have decided to buy. Yeah, that's it's, it, there are, these are like... Um, that's our responsibility as well. I, I, yeah, I mean, we can do as much as we can. And, and I mean, in, in, in the instance, like literally today, I, I phoned an estate agent up to to get the uh, lease information for a flat um, that one of my clients uh, wants to buy. Mm -hmm. She she came across it really quickly, loved it, fall in love with it, go ahead, boom, boom, boom. She, she, she was... Can you give me some detail of the client? Not name, obviously, but yeah. give us some... So, um, we, so we can connect and a, relate to it. Single mother. Yep. Um, sort of seven, eight-year-old child. Yep. Um, works full-time, um, works within the NHS, um via an agency um, where the NHS uh, will only extend contracts by three months. If you're in an agency employment, you, you tend to get three monthly contract extensions. Yeah. Um, but as we all know, uh, there, there's not enough nurses at the moment. So that's good there's... to know. So I don't need a full-time employment contract. I can I can get a mortgage. Well, she's got a full-time employment contract, but it was classed mm -hmm. as a temporary or fixed-term contract. Very interesting. It's because it's rolling, so yep. every three months it gets it will be extended. But you've got a mortgage for it. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Assuming that the property is uh, um, the right property is 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 going to fit the criteria of the lender. Okay. So because of her, because we've got single mum. Yeah. Being really empowered, going out and getting a property for her and her child. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it. Yeah. My woman, my kind of this is this is who I deal She's with. She's great all the time. as well. She's really nice. She's got head screwed on yeah. she's right idea right everything career there. everything going she, she did actually try and find out about the lease and i, I believe um it, the owner sort of imparted some information about what he thought was a lease um you know i asked the estate agent for some uh, information about this they sent me um the title deed from 1953 for the flat and that that title doesn't even exist anymore so we redid the land registry search as a new title on that property where it says much more clearly what it is. Um, and there are a couple of lenders that will lend on freehold. You've got Barclays, NetWest. So all of okay. a sudden... But it's not our lender that we want to use because of it. the employment circumstances. We're going down a specific route with a specific lender that we need to use. Now, that lender has come back with another very specific question, as in, is there this in the background for the property, in which case we'll consider it? And lenders have this amazing... Um, uh, way of 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 getting you to have to apply for the mortgage without telling you if it actually will go ahead or not, even after you've done an agreement in principle. So um, 
So you've invested all of this time. Oh, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work. Okay. So their favourite, yeah, their favourite line. So often we, we have access to business development managers at lenders, that kind of thing, where you can talk through a case, the criteria, because these guys, you know, we deal with 100 plus lenders. So there's no way we can learn all of the criteria and then it ends up changing every month anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so you speak to these guys and you say, look, I think this, 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 this. And they say, yeah, 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 that all seems to fit. And then, you, you, you know, one element comes in and they go oh no that's slightly out but you said i should speak to an underwriter speak to under yeah we'll 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 consider it we'll have a look at it and you think what that's the only bit that i'm worried about there's not enough certainty there. no there's there's not in some cases you know it's it's a bit of a right the conversation with the client goes something like look okay it's it's not guaranteed but we need to submit to see what so this is stressful oh it's super stressful how can that be reduced? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> mm, um, well, a good broker working with you can yeah. try and help reduce the stress. I mean, we deal with everything with the lender. Uh, the, so lender's my stre- the lender's my stress, essentially. Got it. Um, but because clients are emotional, you know, it is an emotional thing buying a property. It is, you know, you, you think about what the next stage of your life is going to be and you do want this to happen. Um, it can be very difficult to uh, manage a client when there's a lot of stuff going on in the background. I had a client again the other day who was who I said, okay, because of your circumstances situation, this is this lender or this lender. These are the two I think are in the mix. And then, you know, they come back and they email back and said, well, I've actually looked on this lender's website and it looks like I fit the criteria for that. Okay, well, I'll go back, go back and explain why you don't because... Your, that's one element, but there's another five elements that they won't look at in regarding your case. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's um. Do you want do you want um, clients to, I suppose, get a more of a three sixty view of it, or does that complicate the process with you? Do they trust you enough? What what is that? Why I want, why did I, they do that? I I I think because um, I think because they are so wanting it to, to happen yeah. um that they think that they can they'll try and find something else out so that like working with me to try and find the solution when in actual fact i think that it you want to just leave it to us we know what we're doing if there's something that can be done we can do it mm. if there's not i'll explain why and if there's something you can do to change what it is then i'll explain that and we'll try and work together to get to that point you know we don't just say to people, oh, no, we can't do anything. See you later. It, that, there's a lot more that goes with it Nick, than do that. Pe- but... Do people trust you? And, and I'm going to be really honest here. Do yeah. people trust you to go to the right lender for them? Yes. Or do they think you're going to the lender that will pay you more? Well, I, 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 I'm not surprised that people would potentially think that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but to be honest with you, there's such little difference between what every lender pays us. Is there? Cool. Yeah, so everyone pays about the same, roughly the same. So you just want to get people in a property. Well, I don't get paid at all unless they complete it. We don't charge anyone anything up front. Mm. So unless it goes through, I don't get I don't get paid anything. Do you think the industry will always stay like that way? Um, or do you think it will change? I think there's been. I, th- I read an article recently about um, lenders not paying. So we get paid 
appropriation fee from a lender based on the, a percentage of the loan size. Yeah. Um, and we, as a brokers, we charge the client a, client, a broker fee as well, uh, 299 unless it's a much more complicated case or there's other factors contributing mm. that we need to charge more because the work involved is just so much more. But in general, it's £299 to do someone's mortgage, which I think is pretty good value. Oh, considering the, I'm right, like, wow. That's everything. You don't pay that until completion. You get the keys, you walk through, then we'll phone you up and want to take payment for that. Mm. Um, so there was an article about... Uh, lenders not paying prop creation fees because of like you say there's there's there is um there could be an element of abuse in there if a lender starts paying much much more then they may see their their business grow from brokers because they want to earn more money from the cases the the differential between all lenders is so small within residential mm. um i mean buy to let it's slightly larger between some lenders but it's it isn't that easy just to be able to to, okay. to to take someone there and then because we, we have to do a whole load of compliance work so if we're just suddenly chucking everyone into the lender that pays the most money, uh, a someone is going to we get audited every six months. Someone is going to look at that and say, I mean, the percentage of cases that are going to that particular lender is far too high. There I should think be it's a so important to know that though. Yeah, I mean, essentially, my my response is they all pay about the same. So mm. you know, and if we we put it there and they they kick it out because the the criteria is so different across the board. Yeah, yeah. It's individual to you. I mean. You're wasting your time just going to, to one lender all the time because the of likelihood course. is that that's not going to be the case for the client. Got it. Got it. So they we've got these few challenges then that come your way. Yes, there are some challenges, yeah. I've got quite a few people and I would say lots of my clients, especially when I'm just doing my women's empowerment arena, that are just getting a divorce. So they've been used to being in a relationship yep. where obviously the pot is bigger to to play with now all of a sudden you've got to and this is a trend i'm seeing so much now is you've got two a uh, family now having to find two properties basically and essentially from one yep. if you want to look at it like that and and then they're realizing that actually the the lend ability isn't there yeah well what I mean, do we do well it's it's difficult i guess that the um when you're one well one family unit uh, the division of responsibility within there is is you know main breadwinner and main collector of children and, and family yeah. and, and uh, you know homemaker as they you know very crudely describe it um <laughs> but but you know and I know in my own life there is a certain division that you have to create in order to allow uh to maximize the income you've got For sure you know you can't like you can both go and do you know the, the careers that you want to do but you're going to pay for that in childcare, um all the other stuff that goes with that time traveling everything that, that goes goes with that, that that actually um takes away from your life and enjoyment mm. of your family time and all that mm. kind of stuff so um, they these are scenarios i'll tell you another scenario that i'm seeing a lot of and my daughter is coming into this so she's just finishing say full-time advanced education she's just finishing a master's how does this amazing woman go and get onto the property ladder without yeah. being with somebody else to get a bigger pot. Yeah, it's hard. How do we do it? Well, how can we help them, Nick? <laughs> how can we empower these people? I well, <laughs> it, the well, it, it literally it comes down to how much money you earn. Like there are, okay. 
that there are schemes available, and I, I I know that I've written an article on this, joint borrower sole proprietor mortgages. Okay, explain. Because it's lovely language, that. Okay, yeah. Um, right, that is where you, so if I just use you as an example. Please do. I will. So you're, you are buying, a pro- your daughter wants to buy a property. Yes. So we could include your employed income as well, your income. Mine. Yours, yeah. With your daughter on an application, i.e. both of you are on the application. Yeah. But when the property is purchased, it is just in your daughter's name. How clever. Very clever. So they are being offered these. I mean, it. I don't, but again, I th- it's criteria that I've of got. Of course. To- again, it's criteria. And again, you have to think about what impact that has on you as a borrower in your own right as well, because essentially you're on the mortgage, but you're not on the deeds or ownership of the property. So here's a question. Because it would be my second home. Yes. Would I then pay capital gains on it? No. I don't ah, think so because it's her name. Yeah. Not mine. Yeah. Got it. So you, but so still that, my borrowing has been. Well, yeah, reduced. so if you want to remortgage your property which you own on your own, and then this could be seen as will be seen as a commitment potentially, because yes. if she doesn't pay the mortgage, you're you're liable for that. Yeah. So it could reduce your borrowing ability and therefore mean that you can't now borrow from a different lender what you've already borrowed from got it. your current lender. So if I've got, because I've got three children, so let's use me as a great model. I've got three children. She's not my favourite. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. She knows she is, but yeah. she's not. Um, right, so she's, you know, I've got another child that is older than her yep. that could say, Mum, could we do the same? Yeah. My lendability, is that the right word? Your... I, my... Your ability to borrow... Or is your... reduced. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, that, 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 I mean, that's that's what, that's what a relatively new, um, I guess yeah. they would call it... But it helps them get onto the marketplace, products. doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean... They still need a deposit, though. Of course. 10%? Minimum. Well, again, it depends... It depends if we're talking. What are they averagely wanting from us? In general, you can get five percent mortgage products, but five percent mortgage products. Do we want to do a five percent mortgage though? Well, it depends. It depends, doesn't it, on on your circumstances? So if you've only got five percent and you're in rented and you want to buy because you think that it's better putting your money into a mortgage pot than paying down a loan than it is spending it on rent every month, then you know, yes, five percent mortgage products are um, higher interest than 90 because you've got less skin in the game than if you, you know, the risk, the lender's interest rates will decrease the more money you put in. Yes, the rich, it's the sense? risk, definitely. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. 5% is hardly anything. Therefore, the lender's putting in 95%, so they're going to charge you more for that because they're taking a bigger risk. Got it. So there are 5% products available um, out good in products? normal mortgage world. Very good products. Okay. Very good for what they are. They are higher than the 90% products, but they also are a lot stricter on the people they will give those mortgages to. So the background credit scoring, for example, will be higher. So you'll need to be a better candidate for the loan than if you were looking at, say, an 80% loan-to-value mortgage. So let's talk about my daughter. She wants to get a mortgage. I can help her, say, for example. But she's never had any credit. She's never had a credit card. She's got no debt at all. How does she show that she's a good investment? Yeah, well, um, so when you say you're going to help her, are you, are you talking about gifting deposit or are you talking about potentially good go, Lord, going no. on the mortgage with I make her? my children work hard <laughs> for what they get. No, I'm not helping them. So 
she's so she's um she's got the deposit saved her deposit herself let's yeah let's use that scenario and she's going to buy on her own no i can help her buy so you're going to look on a a joint borrower sole proprietor basis yeah yeah so both of your incomes we could essentially use coupled with other criteria potentially from lenders that again the providers that or lenders that do this type of product yeah, yeah. there is other stuff that goes with it yeah um so you can use both your incomes there to assess what loan is available yeah she has a deposit off she off goes we go. so me getting thought thinking well, she's got no credit score because she's got no credit is that right well she will get or will she, she have she a will credit have, score? she will she will um so yeah i didn't cover that part of it mm. so if we go go back then um off she goes as in a decision in principle and then ideally onto an application if a decision in principle may may fail because they say she hasn't met credit score required for this mortgage product okay so things that uh i guess assist credit score again it's back to that it's very important because it's part of the makeup of of like you as a financial risk essentially. So if you've got a credit card that you use on a weekly basis for the food shop and then it's cleared at the end of the month, that shows that you are able to service debt correctly. I you get you've got the ability to spend money. So you may have five thousand pounds credit limit on your card. You have the ability to go and spend that tomorrow if you want to, but you don't, and you use it in a sensible way, and you've shown that you can use the credit and then repay it. That's what lenders want to see. But anything else, I mean, that can help your credit score would be things like um, uh, registered on the the voters' roll at your address, all these things in the background. So We'll do a whole show on credit. Oh, yeah, there's there's a a huge amount. There's a huge amount that you can do to prepare yourself prior to going for a mortgage. And again, I see this all the time. And people are like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And you're like, oh, okay, oh, they've had five different addresses in the last two years because uh, they move around a lot. They work in the same place, but they might be in London, dotting around from different places, short-term contracts or wh- whatever in, in mm-hmm. terms of renting. Uh, or this is another one that, that often happens now, uh, bills, uh, council tax, all of that stuff is included in one payment. So they're not on any utility bills. They're not on the on the council tax. Uh, they They may not have registered to vote from that address um so what evidence is there that you live at that property very little How interesting we'll very, talk very little this, in yeah. terms of evidencing where they live to start with mm. we'll, we'll ask for proof of address anyway and we also do an electronic verification and that will go through all these things and then go pass yeah that person lives at that address i want to take us back so we'll, we'll do a whole show on that because i think that's vital that we prepare people there's a lot around that. yeah exactly preparing you to have the right credit or the what would you call it uh, i would say maintaining um your credit file or credit yeah. records yeah we'll do a whole show on that because i think that's that's vital let's go back to your your um client who's single mum yeah who has just found out that the criteria who she thought was going has now had a quick change. Yeah. Emotionally, how, what do you see people, how do they cope with this? Well, she, I mean, to be fair, she's been amazing. Mm. Uh, like, I think she um, was very much like, look, okay, it's a learning curve. Um, I will know next time what to ask for 
implicitly at the beginning. So has she had to let go of that flat? Not yet. Okay. Well, we will, That's good to know. We will find, uh, you know, touch wood, it's all okay. I I don't think that it will be, but, you know, that's that's the way it goes. You know, it's, it's, it's about finding out the information as early on as possible to see if that's going to be... That's the key. You know what I mean? But when I spoke to her at the very beginning, she'd already found this property. Got it. So now... Where there's another property that she sees that she likes, I'll be able to speak to the estate agent and try and establish if this is going to work or not at the beginning. Vital. Yeah, well, we're on the same team. Well, because you're investing all of this emotion. This is an emotional transaction. It really, it really is, you know, and it's something that's going to make a big difference to her life. Um, so, you know, I think it's good to have people that are on your side able to help you get to where you want to get to. Uh, and we absolutely are. I mean, mortgage brokers work with their work with their clients. This communication is absolutely key. Go, you know, I, we we went and got the up to date title, which is on a different title number this morning, to verify exactly what we thought, so that we could then go back to the estate agent and 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 suggest, well, this is what it looks like. Is that the case? Uh, because otherwise, we're not going to know if we don't actively proactively go out and, and and try and sort it out for the client. But then it's like, look, this isn't going to work, I don't think. It could work with these guys, but they're not going to... We already know they won't lend the money to us, so mm. we know where we, we want to go. And this actually is is a relatively uncommon scenario. Exactly. This is uncommon, but they be- they're becoming more common, actually. Well, everything, every, this, all, these, all these things. I, I, I think I get to see all these we have, things we've seen before, but, you know, you just... You, you think or you, uh, like... This is where it falls down. It's like you, you assume, which again, like obviously you shouldn't, but uh, people, the agents or or people will actually make it clear what the property is when someone's going to view it. If I'm an estate agent and you've got uh, this lady, applicant, she's going to look at the property, make it pretty clear to her. Right? It's a freehold flat at the beginning. And then we could have saved some time and some potential distress around the fact that she actually can't buy it. But here's the honesty, they didn't know. Well, they, when I phoned up to ask the lease details, he said immediately, oh, it's a freehold flat. Oh. So, oh, okay. Oh, well, that could prove an issue. Oh, well, we've already sold ones in the block and that Western Barclays have done mortgages on them. Okay, well, you, you're saying that, but you don't know my client's circumstances. That's right. So you have no idea whether we can use that Western Barclays, do you? Mm-hmm. So... You know, the information at the outset is, I mean, and from their point of view, agreeing a sale on a property for their seller without knowing that that client, almost like it's, oh, by the way, it's a freehold flat. Oh, that's not just something you can slip under the carpet Mm. about it. That's a massively important issue with the property. So me, it's my responsibility to find out as much information as possible to give to you so that we can make this it's process worth, it's worth finding cleaner out. and it's, not so messy. Oh, it's worth finding out. I mean, if you came to me and said, right, you know, we've got everything in place. I found that property I want to buy. I'd say, okay, which is the estate agent? I'll give them a call. And okay. I'd say to them, hey, how you doing? My client, Sarah, is looking to buy this property. Uh, could you just send me the details over? Is it leasehold? Yes, it is. Okay, can you give me the lease details as well, please? Got it. Straightforward. And then you get... Oh, that's no, freehold. Oh, right. Okay. Got it. And it saves time. It saves time, stress, you know, because 
basically people a bit up. You get to a point where you think this is happening. You know, I'm going to move in there. That's going to be my home. You might do. Oh, a... you've already visualised oh, yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've offered on it. You've yeah, had it exactly. You've agreed it essentially. You've instructed yeah. a solicitor to just start crack acting. on, Nick. Get my mortgage. Yeah. 100. Yeah. It's all going. Solicitor's instructed. Here's the solicitor's details. Everything can start progressing. I've had my mortgage in principle. It's all going to well, be done. fine. Yeah. Gathering the documents, the last little bits of documentation we need that the lender's going to ask for because we've done all our processes properly. Due diligence, I suppose. And they know, we know yeah. that they're going to ask for additional documentation on top of the normal documentation we would we would ask for usually. Mm-hmm. So we find that out to make sure that it's not a surprise so that we can allow the client time to gather things before we can we submit the application. And then, you, then you're going to... A spanner in the works as such Got it. sometimes. So it's Got it. any information you as a, a buyer can find out or questions you can ask the estate agent, they should know. They should know. I hope people can hear that emotion behind you then. They should know. We were talking about whether to do a whole show, weren't we, on <laughs> on the estate agent process because that's part of what you do as well. Well, yeah, like estate agents, like, I, I mean... And I used to be. They're unregulated. Oh, I used to be an estate agent. It was great fun, but it sometimes, sometimes they can um, be more focused on uh, attaching a, a sale. Um, their job essentially is to is to get the best price possible for a property for their client, which is the vendor, the seller of the property. So they're the guy. They're the people that are going to pay them, not the, not you buying the property. You're not paying the estate agent. Um, which is also why I find it uh, slightly odd in our uh, arena here that we don't, that buyers don't normally have an agent acting on their behalf. Yeah. So there are plenty of buying agents around, and generally they operate in in London, the ones I've seen, or sort of the home counties around there. But they will they will be paid a percentage or a fixed amount from the buyer in order to not just source and find, but negotiate on their behalf on the property, mm. which when you're putting your offer to an estate agent and the estate agent goes back to the vendor to negotiate this, they are not negotiating on your behalf. They're going back to the vendor to see how that sits with them and what they're going to go back to you with to, to ask for. And if they think that they could get more money out of you, I guarantee they're going to come back and try and push you to get more money. Of course. Because their job is to get the most Yeah. for the vendor. Which makes sense. So no one is 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 sitting next to you acting on your behalf within that negotiation That's process. Right. So if you have no experience on negotiating property purchases, at, we're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds, you will probably pay more than you need to. And unfortunately, there's one thing that gets in the way, and that is your emotional want for that property. Fear of loss. Yeah. Fear of FOMO. Yeah. Fear of missing out. That's right. And it's a classic. It's a classic. Uh, the other one you see all the time is uh, someone's, you've got a property to sell and you haven't put it on the market yet, but you go out looking for the next property that you want to move into. And you find that dream home and you think that is the property for me. To get that property, you're over a barrel because you're not in a procedural position yet. So if you want to get that property off the market, you're going to be paying the asking price or possibly more to get it off the market because you're asking them to wait for me to sell my And we've all done it. We've all done it. And then double, so you might be paying too much for it and you'll probably take a little bit less for your own 
because you need to get it done quickly. So someone comes along and says, I'll give you that 10% lower. Mm. Okay, well, I found where I want to go. So I'll accept that. So you've maybe not got as much as you could have for your own property and you've paid too much for the onward purchase. Yeah, yeah. this is where our criteria comes in. I think it's really important. When I was buying lots of property at one point, I nearly went into property development. I really did. I, was, I love it, but I love it in as a as a as a side asset rather than a business if that makes sense yeah i i just love the i i just love the nego i love negotiating with people but anyway i can remember just being in that predicament where i thought right i i had a criteria of what i would buy yeah so it had to be the the buyer had to be what we call a motivated um seller yeah so but they were in such a desperate point. And that's saying there was there's like this little sweet spot that I had a criteria. And, and and this is what I say to people, know what it is that you want for your criteria. So what is it that one you'll like, it's like when you go in, into an auction house, isn't it? And you want yeah. to buy this property. Don't get caught up in the romance of it. Oh, I've seen that. That's my limit. Loads of times. I know, right? I've uh, it's just brilliant. We used to sell see um Properties, distressed properties or repossessions yeah. would go for the same amount of money as the same property at the same road that was not dilapidated. Yeah. Because people were obsessed. We love property over here. Yeah. In we the do. UK, we love it. There's a, a thousand property programs you can watch. And, yeah, and we absolutely, funny. we're obsessed with it. And that's why we're here talking about this now. And it might seem as if we've just, you know, it, it, it's not... Um, it's not boring, but it's also quite, it's methodical, isn't it? It's what you're saying is you need to have this to move to the next pro- part of this process. There is, it, process is the word. Like yeah. I, I, I'm very process driven myself. Mm. So everything goes through a process to get to a point and that you're on to the next level, onto the next level. Mm. Um, and I don't just go back to what, what you were saying. There are companies out there now that will purchase distress, they call it distress sales. Yeah. Uh, you know, distressed sales, distressed vendors, maybe at auction, maybe wherever. But I've seen a lot of people buy at auction that have paid way too much for the for the property. Yeah. Um, you know, and then it'll come unstuck later. For sure. Uh, trying to raise more money That's to finish right. off works, and then a lender goes, "Well, it's actually not worth what you think it's worth." Yeah. Um, so there are there are there are that's that's you have to be very very uh, informed, process driven again, and very good at what you do in order to make that work with with getting a, a profit on those properties yeah. if you're turning them around and selling them And off. that's what we're trying to do here is bring your awareness to this. What do I need to go to Nick for? So say you you choose a, a broker. What do I need to give to you the information so that you can give me a principle, uh, an agreement in principle, a mortgage yeah. principle? What do you call it again? Uh, AIP, agreement uh, in principle, or a DIP, a decision in principle. Love this. So I, I want to hear that language. So an AIP, AIP or a DIP. Or a dip. Yeah. So we get that. You go and find the property. Then you come back to Nick. Let's use this scenario. We come back to Nick. And then you've still got as much information as possible for you to go further into the process of buying. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we'll always speak to the estate agent. Um, obviously, the estate, a lot of estate agents now will uh, attempt to get our clients to speak to their mortgage and broker. We aren't, we're going to talk about this. We will. We will talk about it another time. We're not time. going to talk about it here, but this is something that is coming up more and more and more, and that is absolutely when the estate agents say you have to speak to our mortgage yes. broker, else you cannot buy this property. I, that if they said that, that would be illegal. I have heard 
hearsay that people saying that. Uh, the other one is you need to speak to our mortgage broker before you can go out viewing. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely agree that people need to know their financial position before they're viewing or they could be wasting everyone's time. And that's what we're doing here. That's what we're trying to educate and Empower bring awareness yeah. to do that first so you don't go down the wrong paths when people are essentially manufacturing you to speak to people for their own benefit. And we're going to really go into this. And that's why I want this to be an honest, truthful conversation. So, Nick, what you got coming up? What have I got coming up? Yeah. Well, I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> straight. Anything straight. new in the industry? Oh, well, I t- I j- I'll, give you a, I'll give you a touch of cases we've been doing at the moment just to give you a... Uh, so looking into doing a uh, SPV, special purpose vehicle, buy-to-let purchase on Shetland, an island off of Scotland. Okay. Can find a, found a home for that. Tick. Uh, tier 2 visa, uh, foreign national living in the UK for a residential purchase. Tick for that, can do that as well. Going to be a nice. for that this week. Uh, to start with, it was going to be a buy-to-let, a lot harder. But again, found a home for that. Um, there's there's really nothing that we're not looking at at the moment. And we're nice. trying to, trying to um, and this is, this is my personal opinion, people who are both employed, for example, as, as would be a standard case for someone, both employed, pay slip, saved up their deposit, you know, go along, get a group principal, buy a house, fewer and fewer between now more quirky situations more examples of where people need proper advice around what to do and that's where we are going that's, I love that's it. our specialism now is proper in-depth advice on the best thing to do with whatever it is if there's adverse credit if there's issues ccjs things like that or um different uh, income types that kind of thing all this stuff Bring them in. Wonderful. We're looking at all this stuff. And What's your website, to... Nick? Uh, PTMortgagesLTD.co.uk. I'll have that link in the um, in in the uh, bio for you and everything. So go along to them. You can go to this information that we're giving you. Nick's coming with me along this journey. You don't have to go to him. He just wants you to go and seek advice from somebody. Yes. The proper, the proper advice. Yeah. Okay. That's it. So thank you so much, Nick. Another great part to this series that we're doing together. Thank you, Nick Danes. Thank you for standing tall in the <laughs> arena because it is a big arena to stand in I'm and we've got, to, we've got to be brave in this. Thank you for sharing it with me today. And thank you for your honesty and support in this because for me, it really is the, probably the missing link for people to build themselves and have that confidence empowerment is how do I put a roof over my head? It's the most basic need in Maslow's hierarchy needs, but thank you very much for today. (laughs) So my darling, have a truly amazing week. It has been my absolute honour to bring to you the most extraordinary people making an impact in the universe. And remember, keep reaching every day and go shine bright.